Ash Olaf. Hi guys, welcome back to You Can't Podcast with Kids from the Symposium. We're already on our seventh episode, so we're progressing quite quickly. Um, just a reminder that we're now on Spotify. The link is in our Instagram bio. Where you'll also find the links to all our other platforms. And yeah, follow us on Spotify and Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube. And yeah, well, we'll keep making content. We hope you're enjoying it. Um, I'm happy to be joined by the three classic hosts again, uh, Lawrence, Calvin and Arjun. Uh, today's a pretty standard pod. We're just going to talk about games of the week uh, from the past week and uh, a couple of future games. Then we're going to play Guess the Player. And then it will actually be my turn to talk about um, one of my favourite games or a game that I think is important. Um, how are you doing, Lawrence? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, another eventful eventful week of football. So happy to sit down and talk. Yeah. Calvin, how are you? We didn't get a chance to speak to you properly last time, so I'll be looking forward to your feedback on the North London derby. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good, you know. I've had a chance to catch some of the matches. Um, and yeah, enjoying Mark. it very much. Arjun, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Just a bit depressed because there's no cricket on today. Right, yeah. would have been a nice chance to fill my day. But yeah, other than that, not, not doing too bad myself. Yeah, that's an annoying, especially because it's probably going to be a draw now. Um Calvin, then, if you'd like to just start off, what are your thoughts on the North London derby? We, we spoke about it last time, but you weren't here. So uh, just interested to know what you think from a Spurs perspective. Yeah, um, well, first of all, 4-4-2 seems like it's our formation. You know, we've got that two banks of four. It's like solved our defensive problems all right. of a sudden. I don't know if that's the formation or if the players decide to buck their ideas up. Um, they actually uh, release part of the Amazon documentary um, where you can hear his sort of pep talk as it were in the analysis session um and i felt that you know he's already to start instilling his winning mentality into the players uh whether it comes across or not we'll see in the coming year i think um but yeah i think for me brilliant result like i mean the season was pretty much over like champions league is not happening um we're not really playing for anything um apart from pride uh but game one over arsenal you know they're making fun of us for being crap uh and they can't even be us so you know I mean, it's just quite pathetic all around, though, isn't it, Carl? Come on. Like, we're probably in our worst period for a while. Um, and it still can't be us, so that says a lot. Wasn't the phrase in the documentary, like, that Josie was like, for 90 minutes, you yeah, have to be it was that cunts. One. Feel <laughs> yeah. free to bleep that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's true, though. Like, think about it. Like, you know, everyone hates us, so we may as well play off that a bit. But is Josie, like, trying to get everybody in the league to just to just be as miserable as he is you know you, you can't be well liked you can't be well liked to win a league let's be honest i mean, I mean I was, liverpool I mean, pretty likable <laughs> i was i don't know that, i don't know there's quite a, well go on carl like united fans for example absolutely hated that and i'm sure a few other clubs alongside did not like yeah but i mean klopp's a likable guy well, i mean what oh, I was no, i'm not talking is... i'm not talking about like that i'm talking about club generally and you know oh well, right yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people I mean, hate Tottenham, so we may as well play into that role. No one, um, no one likes the club that's out in front. I guess is true, but I mean, I don't know. I thought like I thought that Mourinho started to go off the rails when he started to get really angry at Real Madrid. Like in Chelsea first spell, in the Inter first, and in his Inter spell, he was much happier than he was at Real Madrid, and then Man United, and then Man United, then Chelsea, then then you know, um, then Spurs. Because I don't know. I mean, 
he fell out with the press and it just affected him since then. And, and you could tell that he was kind of upset in his final season at United. And I spoke to United um, and I, I spoke to kind of United fans um, at, at the time. And Arjun and I, I remember, were specifically saying that we think Mourinho's, you know, kind of doomed. It was his classic third season syndrome, but um, United fans wouldn't take it. And we were proved right in the end. So, I mean, I'll take that. Uh, Arjun, how's your week been? Any games yeah. that are, any games that have stood out to you? Any games coming up? Yeah, I enjoyed watching a bit of the West Ham Watford game last night. That was a big relegation six pointer. West Ham coming away with the three points. Um, it's a bit worrying for Watford because obviously now they're they're in a bit of trouble, especially if Bournemouth and Villa pick up points in the next couple of games. And I think Watford, I, I was banking on Watford to get a point or even a win in that game, and I think they could be in real trouble now with that loss. Yeah, I think I watched that game as well, um, and. Watford, for the first half, they just went missing. Like It was like they didn't want to be there. I don't know what, what it was. But if they turn up to like their future games like that, they are, I reckon they're going down. Because like, Bournemouth seem to have a new lease of life, so do Aston Villa, so you know. Oh, I mean, Villa Villa new lease of life is surely an overstatement. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I agree with Cal, Like Bournemouth, Bournemouth have done well the last couple of games. They were unlucky against City, from what I heard, and saw a little bit more. And then they thrashed Leicester. I think their next two games are quite winnable. They're at home to Southampton and then away to Everton who will have nothing to play for, really. So if, if Everton are on the beach, then I, I feel like Bournemouth will pretty, pretty much survive, to be honest. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, any games coming up that stand out to you then, Arj? Um, well, yeah, this weekend, obviously, it's the FA Cup semi-finals. So Arsenal City tonight and then Chelsea United tomorrow. Um, yeah. yeah, those will be two big games. I reckon I, I'm seeing a United... Um, Oh, sorry, Manchester derby in the final. Yeah. I think City will get past Arsenal quite easily. And Man United seem to have a number on Chelsea right now, and I don't see that ending. Cal, what are your thoughts on the uh, FA Cup semi-finals? Yeah, I agree. I think that's what it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be an absolute whitewash against Arsenal. You know, when you have your centre-backs being, you know, bloody David Luiz, uh, <laughs> Kalashinak, you're not, it's not going to go well. Um, and, yeah. I mean, Liverpool couldn't do much against them, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Lawrence, what are your thoughts on your team's chances in the FA Cup semis? And just more generally, how do you see things panning out? Um, I think that the FA Cup is quite like uh, hotly contested. I think all the teams involved will really want to get some silverware this season. As for United's chances, I mean, um, we've yeah, as as you guys have said, we kind of had had Chelsea's number over the past few games. Um, and we're on a hot run of form, so I, I do back us. But, you know, it's a cup uh, semi-final, so um, anything can happen, I guess. Just going back to the West Ham match, I think West Ham are a great example of a team that's really benefited from Project Restart. Um, especially, as I said before, Mikel Antonio. He's the top scorer um, in the in the league since lockdown. He scored like seven goals. Scored again against Watford, and uh, yeah, they've done they've done a great job since uh, under David Moyes' lockdown. Yeah, I mean, um, f- fair enough. Um, any games that stand out to any of you coming up uh, next week in the in the Premier League? Um, and again, I mean, I know this seems to change every week, which is why I keep asking it. But more generally, I mean, Cal touched on it. Uh, how do you see the relegation battle shaping up, and and also actually linking to it? How do you see Leeds performing next year, Lawrence? Well, I think that Watford are now in quite a precarious position because they're uh, 
their fixtures coming up aren't the most favourable. They've got to play Man City uh, and Arsenal in their final two games. So I think that um, that Bournemouth, well, Bournemouth or Villa could have a chance to pit them for that last spot. Um, as for next year, I think, well, for a long time, um, Leeds was seen as like too good for the championship under Marcelo Bielsa. But season after season, they kind of faltered. Um, even at times this season, they've lacked a proper goal scorer because Patrick Bamford has been, uh, well, he, he's uh, sort of been below expectations. Um, and I think that Leeds next year, whilst they have this different style of play, like that high intensity press, um, uh, they will suffer the the fate that many teams do when they come up, which is that they can defend okay, but they just can't score goals. Um, mm. So it remains to see what kind of signings they make this summer. Yeah, I think it'll be quite interesting to watch Leeds in the Premier League. Bielsa's obviously like a very revered manager. Like for football hipsters, he's like their favourite manager of all time. Pep Guardiola's like um, counts Bielsa as an inspiration. He did really well with like Bilbao, Chile, um, Marseille. So it'd be quite interesting to see him in the Premier League and how he brings like a tactical style to the Premier League. Mm. I reckon Leeds will finish sort of like mid-table, lower mid-table. They'll, they'll acclimatise quite well. But yeah, as long as they need to buy some more strikers because Bamford isn't really effective. And it, he's one of those players where he's decent in the Championship and one, once he gets to the Premier League, he's pretty abject. So yeah, they, they'll need to invest a bit. Um, but I think they should be fine. I don't know if you want to go into like the other teams who look to be promoted from the Championship because today Brentford had a chance to go second. They blew it against Stoke. They only had to draw to go second and they lost 1-0 to a first-half goal. That's pretty disappointing for me because my second team is Brentford because of my ties to the local area. It would have been nice to see them in the Premier League. They still can manage it, but their chances of automatic promotion have faded and it looks like West Brom are going to get second place, which is a little bit disappointing because... West Brom are a bit of a you know yo-yo team generally. Although the last time in the Premier League they stayed there for like eight years, I think. But they're just a bit of a meh team to be honest. Like they'll be there, they'll probably survive. But they won't. I don't think they'll add much interesting to the league. Whereas Brentford would have been quite quite would be quite a nice team to watch the Premier League. Yeah, and I mean then, I. Yeah. I mean yeah, I mean I I remember West Brom back in the days like about ten years ago with like I think Di Matteo, and they were a classic yo-yo team, literally up and down every year. Um. I don't think we'll get many interesting games from the Hawthorns next year. I mean, Brentford, I think, would have Brentford, I think, would have been more interesting. But at the same time, I was quite excited about Norwich coming up with Bark and like Aaron's on the wings. Yeah, I, I thought when Norwich came up, they would they would you know at least if they even though they'd, they'd concede heaps of goals, they'd you know score, they'd be attractive to watch. And Pookie at the start, you know, how was on that run, but obviously just just faded out, which is, I think one of my bigger disappointments this season in the. I was expecting Norwich to, to you know, at least make some exciting games, some like 3-2s, 4-3s, 3-3s, but it never really materialised. Other than Todd Campwell, I can't think of many players they've had which which um, have made a massive impression. Um, I think it's interesting what you say about Leeds. I mean, Calvin, what are your thoughts on how Leeds will do next year? Uh, yeah, they've got a very good team. Uh, I do rate Bielsa as a manager. Um, yeah, they've got, and, you know, they're, they're quite, a, they've got the history, so I reckon, you know, with that pulling power as well. Um, I yeah. think they should be able to get some players in. Um, I think one thing I want to touch on is, let's say Brentford don't get the automatic promotion place. How do you see them faring in the playoffs? Because, you know, that disappointment of it being in their hands and now it's not, you know, we saw it happen to Leeds. Um, 
How do you yeah. think they're going to play? I mean, the, the, the thing with Brentford is to get to the position they could they were in today was was big by itself because before the restart happened, they were ten points behind West Brom and they won nine in a row before today. So in a way, they sort of the disappointment of bottling it, as it were, sort of was down to them being so good good initially before today. So I, I think to get to the to third place and having a chance of second is commendable in itself. I reckon they can easily get through the playoffs. I think they'll play most likely Cardiff um, in the semis and then Forrester Fulham in the in the final. I think they can get past that and get through that quite easily and get promoted. But, you know, it's, 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 the playoffs are like a lottery, aren't they? They're, it's down to chance now. And I think I, it'll be quite interesting to see a team like Forrester in the Premier League. Like we were talking about Leeds being a big club, a historically big club. Mm. Obviously, Forrester among the biggest clubs in England. And to see them in the Premier League for the first time in my lifetime, or at least in the first time since I've started watching football, would be quite good and it'd be nice to see them there instead of Fulham or Cardiff who you know have been there recently yeah I mean I I, I entirely agree on Forrest I mean they have that kind of they'll never lose that kind of mystique from the Brian Clough years and I think there would be a nice addition um I'd like to kind of segue actually we touched on Arsenal and their calamitous defense but I'd like to just touch on just from a Liverpool perspective the game against Arsenal from the other day lost 2-1 um through two errors from from two people who have been stalwart, stalwarts of Liverpool's success over the last two and a half years, Alisson and Van Dijk. Um, so obviously those are collector's items in themselves. But um, I mean, in my analysis, I'd like to preface everything by by just remembering saying that this is a you know the best season I've ever seen, the best season we've ever had for for decades, and and anything that that's happening now is just a bonus and it doesn't particularly matter. But, but at the same time, I, I can't help feeling disheartened about the performance. Liverpool, since the restart, beyond other than that single game against Crystal Palace, have not looked themselves. I'm not sure if it's just because they're waiting for the trophy or what, but the mentality does not really seem to be there. I think mean, Oxley chamberlain I mean, he's got great chat. His Instagram's really good, but I'm not really sure what he adds to the team. Um, like, Kate has performed, probably been Liverpool's best player since the restart, but he wasn't played by Klopp, and I have no idea why. As soon as he was brought on, he added life to the game, and... Yeah, I mean, it was just, I don't, I don't know. I think Klopp was hoping maybe Oxford had been motivated against his former team, but I don't see him, don't see him doing anything. Seems to get lost. Um, Firmino has scored, like, it has been very inconsistent all season. He's not really done much at home at all. Um, he, he tends to miss quite a lot of easy chances statistically. Um, so that's kind of been exposed further in this Arsenal game. I mean, I am questioning just slightly the mentality of the squad I mean as I say I keep saying it's unique situations but I mean I just still can't help being slightly concerned especially considering that the gap between this season and next is not that long and although there's a Champions League tournament a lot of I think the momentum from this season will actually matter next season which isn't normally the case um, and I mean it just adds to my worries that I've expressed before on the pod that Liverpool if they don't make acquisitions will eventually just fall behind or the squad will, will just not be able to keep up eventually. Um, just because of the fact that if you have the same squad for three years, regardless of how good they are, and the starting 11 of this squad is actually genuinely very good, they, they will just eventually fade. You know, the thing about the Ferguson years at United was that every single year after they won the league, they made an acquisition here or there. They always added, added something. They always added fresh legs, fresh motivation. And I don't know if Liverpool are in the financial position to do that. I think someone like Timo Werner, Although he would have maybe challenged Firmino, his ability to play across the front line, his versatility, would have been exactly someone that we needed next year. I think Thiago would be a brilliant signing at this point. And as I said, Coutinho as well would have been, would be a nice signing. 
I think Liverpool need left-back cover. But again, I don't know how, how realistic any of that is. I think it's more realistic that that City will go out and grab, grab finally grab their, their, their 10-year centre-back. Um, I think that's more realistic than, than Liverpool making any changes, which kind of makes me worried about our title prospects for next year. Um, I know compared to most Liverpool fans or football fans generally, I'm pessimistic about my team. But that's genuinely because um, it's kind of a survival or defence mechanism at this point. Just because that beyond this season and beyond maybe last season, I've always just been consistently been kind of disappointed by Liverpool in my lifetime. We've had really good teams before. I thought the 2008-9 team with Alonso, Gerrard in their prime, Torres, Aurelio, Carragher, Hippier, Pepe Reina, um, that, that kind of team was, was uh, Arbeloa, for example. You know, that kind of team was a genuinely really good team. And, and loads of Liverpool fans were hyped by that team, but it just didn't didn't come to fruition. We drew too many games at home. So I know I'm pessimistic and I openly admit to that, but I am I can't help being slightly concerned about the lack of motivation just because all other teams that have won the league that I remember with games to spare didn't behave like this, didn't let you know, let games let games go by, they pushed to the end, they didn't give up, and it's just slightly concerning. Lawrence, what are your thoughts? I think first of all it's important to say uh, specifically about this Arsenal game, that I don't think Liverpool played that badly. I think obviously they made the two uh, defensive mistakes that led to the two Arsenal goals. But you know, in the second half, they completely dominated the game. Um, I, I didn't feel like they worked less hard or, or lacked hunger or desire. Um, uh, they, they created chances, they just didn't take them uh, take them in the end, and they lost that ruthless streak, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I just just about it. I think I just thought that. Some of the some of the passes done were just slightly lazy, and not lazy in the sense that they weren't running, but the choices just lackadaisical attitude. You know, passing the ball, looking the other direction, allowing people to close you down. It's just it's just stuff we didn't see the rest of the year when they were more on it. You know. Yeah, but I, I think there's an argument to be made that the fact that Liverpool are faltering slightly after having won the title, uh, is could kind of benefit Liverpool going into next season. I mean. Uh, we talked about Liverpool being quite a likable team, but Jurgen Klopp is the sorest of sore losers. Like there's a post-match after after the games that he drops points in, and he's just sulking and and being quite moody, to be honest. And I think that because Liverpool aren't going to reach that City total because they are suffering what you could call a blip, Klopp does now have a reason to go to the board, um, go to FSG, and say, you know. Clearly, we need to refresh the squad. Clearly, we need to change some things or uh, add a couple of players to like uh, keep that competition in the squad. Um, if they had gone on to just win every single game after they won the title, I think uh, there would be less reason, I guess, to buy new players. But this really sort of, whilst, the, as you said, the matches don't mean much, um, this could really bring into focus the need for title-winning sides to... Um, Keep going. Keep, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, agree. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I, I agree with I agree with Lawrence there. I mean, Argent, yeah, sorry, come in. No, I agree that um, the fact that Liverpool are struggling a bit, faltering a bit, vindicates um, the worries of fans like yourself who want who want investment, who are worried that the team might stagnate next season with no motivation. So yeah, I, I do think that Liverpool need to invest um, and maybe clear out some of some of the deadwood in their squad. I'm thinking of players like Shakiri, like Lovren, like Oxay Chamberlain, who maybe now might be a bit surplus to requirements, and bring in some more star players like Thiago. No, I mean I entirely agree, and I think being more specific about it, what we really need are 
Um, okay, let's just list them off. I think we need a left back cover for Andy Robertson. We can't keep playing James Milner there. It's not sustainable. Um, yeah, um, we've had um, academy prospects playing in the left back position, but unlike with Nico Williams and Curtis Jones on the right and in midfield, respectively, um, they haven't been able to um, maintain a presence in the squad or in, on the bench. So we need we need to buy a veteran left back or at least a young left back who can deputise under Robertson because people seem to forget that Robertson is actually five or six years older than Alexander Arnold. Um, I think we need another, we need a third or fourth choice centre-back to replace Lovren, Lovren, as you say, who might depart. Um, I think centre-backs to Liverpool are generally all right. Like Matip, Lovren, Van Dijk, Gomez are a solid group, although Gomez has been making more mistakes recently. I, I wouldn't mind a, some centre-back to deputise as a third or fourth choice. Um, central midfield, Liverpool have quite a lot of options. Thiago, as I said, would be brilliant. And I think one area that's really been overlooked, and I think where Liverpool have made probably their only mistake of the club era is in giving Divock Origi a contract based on purely exploits in the last two games in the Champions League last year, in the semi-final against Barcelona, obviously, and in the final. Because other than that, he's not done very much. When he plays, other than in the Merseyside derby, he you know, doesn't seem to do much, doesn't light teams up. He's got brilliant athletic ability, but that doesn't never seems to translate. Klopp genuinely, I think, doesn't like Origi, but we're saddled with him as a contract. I think we need to offload him and get genuine, solid cover for the front three. Because if one of them goes down, I mean, fair enough, let's see if Minamino can develop into a Firmino replacement. But if one of those three goes down, the people that replace them are a massive drop-off. And it's just not it's just not acceptable for a team that seeks to challenge in all four competitions. Like I think I don't think any any Liverpool fan can genuinely tell you that Liverpool are able to challenge in all four competitions next year. And for a team that did so well in the league this year, it's just completely puzzling. Like, if Liverpool want to do well in the Champions League and the league next year, they will, just because of availability of players, have to play youth teams for sustained periods in the League Cup and the AFA Cup. And, and you know, as someone who, who has you know strong ambitions for the club, that's just not something I like to see. Now, I know everyone can come at me and say, oh, well, you're being pessimistic. You don't care about the club. You're like... You know, you're not understanding there's a pandemic in the world. Well, of course, you know, those are all factors that are that are that are relevant. But I, I don't think my concerns ought to be dismissed just on those grounds. I mean, Calvin, what are your thoughts on the Liverpool game and, and potential issues with buying players? Because that's something that's plagued Spurs for a long time. Yeah, um, I think the best example is Kane. No striker really wants to sit on the bench. So no striker is going to really come to Spurs while Kane's there. Um, and I think you have the same problem there. No player realistically in those positions are going to, is going to come to Liverpool and want to sit on the bench. At least a good player that fits sort of your description. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think that maybe is a problem we have, is and we can't strengthen the first eleven much anymore. But we need squad players, and those are less available. Um, so let's move on to the game section of the pod. And today we're playing Guess the Player, which, um, as Lawrence founded last time. Um, is a game where he gives us clues that we can either pass or answer on. And we he gives us clues that become more specific each time. And um, essentially, the first person to guess the player um, wins. So, yeah, Lawrence, fire away. Right. OK, so first clue is that he was born on the 21st of February, 1985. I mean, also, can we just before yeah. we, we, we take <laughs> that, please, no, no we- looking up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, yeah. No, 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 no Calvin. Cheese. Calvin. Calvin. Specifically addressed to you. No cheating. <laughs> I can't believe that we had to specify that you're not allowed to Google the player. <laughs> I didn't say Google the player, but you know. 
I mean, you, you looked on a website of football players' birthdays. That's... Can you read the birthday okay, no, so, so I can so, have the year? Okay, no, okay. So, okay, so let Lawrence, just uh, let's start again off with a warning. Calvin, you've been warned. Arjun, thank you for that that, that intervention. Lawrence, right. start again. All right. He was born on the 21st of February, 1985. Right. Uh, pass. I'm passing. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. Arjun, Calvin, any of you want to guess? Yeah, I'll pass for now. Right. He scored 99 goals, nine goals, in 81 appearances for his national side. Oh, okay. Okay, I've got a guess. Go for it, Calvin. Wayne Rooney. Bro. Wait, nine goals. Nine goals, Cal. He's oh, like, he's, he's at 99. Oh, oh okay. right. No, okay, no. Still, 90, still. 99. Yeah, yeah. He scored like 40. I think he scored like 53. Yeah, I just realised that was a stupid guess because um, he scored so many against shitters in um, the qualifying stages. Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, I think even Miroslav Close. I think even Ronaldo's got like 81 or something. Okay, anyway. Um, I'm passing. Arjun, I assume you're passing. Lawrence, next Yeah, Ronaldo, Ronaldo has 100 goals, I think. Oh, there's 100. Okay. Yeah, it's mad, yeah. All right, um... Lawrence. He scored one goal in the 2014 World Cup, although it was the winning goal in that match. Ooh, okay. 2014. So, so he'd be, what, 35 now, 29 then. Nine goals in 81. Okay. Is it is it 2014, you said, Lawrence? Yes. Okay. Ooh. I, I, I still haven't got an answer. Yeah, I'll pass. Yeah, same. All right. Uh, during a Champions League match in 2012, he opened the scoring against Barcelona at the Camp Nou. Um, 2012, did you say? Okay, yeah. can't, be, can't be the player I was thinking then. 2012-13. I think that was like Ajax, Celtic. Well, how do you know it wasn't in the knockout stage of the 2011-12? It could yeah, be, yeah. Uh, it could be. You could have been screwed there. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Because um, it could be group stages of 2012-13 or the knockout stages of 2011-12. I mean, I've still not got an answer. 2012-13, you had Ajax, Celtic and someone else. Like Milan, I think. In the knockout stages, it would have been Chelsea. Um, Who else I can't think, in the can't think of the others. Uh, I still haven't got an answer. I've passed. Okay, yeah, I've passed. passed. Lawrence. He has played for Tony Pulis, Sven Goran Eriksson, and Claudio Ranieri. Ooh, okay. All right. Where the hell has Sven managed? That's, that's the rogue one, I think. He manages, yeah. like, weird he, countries. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm guessing it's not going to be England because he scored a winner in the World Cup 2014. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, so, so it's not England now, yeah. Um, um, where else has Sven managed? Leicester? Ivory Coast? Yeah, I'm thinking the African nations. That's what I've been going through. Uh, did Sven marry? Did, did has Sven Sven mar- uh, managed an African nation? Yeah, he did Ivory Coast for a bit. Right. Okay. It'd be weird if he married an African nation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never, let's, you not, never let's, know let's not get into let's not get into Sven's love life. I mean, that's that's a shady area. Um, <laughs> I I still pass. Yeah, I'm still passing. Tony Pulis, Sven, and Claudio Anieri. Okay, I, I pass. Yeah. Wow, guys. Right. He won all of his trophies for one team, winning the league four times and the cup three times between 2008 and 2014. Right. So, 
I'm immediately thinking like Celtic because because of the fact they they played Barcelona in 2012. Wait, oh, that's and, such a shock. I think I remember who that was. You and, know, um, and obviously Celtic, are, you know, dominated the league because obviously Rangers weren't there during that time. I mean, they still do dominate anyway. Um, Wait, I remember Celtic won against Barca, but it, I think I swear that was at I swear that was was that at the Camp Nou? No, no, no I swear that was at. Park. That's what I was thinking. So he said at Camp Nou, didn't he? That's okay, the, wait, was twenty fourteen World Cup? He scored. You said. Yeah, he scored the winning goal in a match. Oh Jesus Christ! That's. I was trying to think. Is that the Suarez year? Was that? Yeah, that's when uh, Suarez bit Chiellini. Okay, and I was thinking of the year before that. I was thinking of South Africa, the when he handballed it. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm gonna have to think. Back, oh, it's 20, oh, 2014 is the uh, massive massacre in Brazil, uh, Germany, Brazil. Okay, yeah, I know which. No, no, Lawrence, are you sure that he scored that goal at the Camp Nou? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why it's in the clue. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it was, if it was. Yeah, because that would work if it was. Okay, yeah, Arjun. How many clues are there after this? There's two more. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, I, I'm passing. Yes, right. Yeah, I yeah, think. He has played in the Netherlands, England, Scotland, Saudi Arabia, the US, Spain, and Turkey. Yes, yeah, so the, ti- the league titles might. Uh, the league titles have to come in Scotland, don't they? I, I feel like it'll be Celtic, a Celtic striker. Yeah. Yeah, because that works out roughly to the number of leagues. So Celtic striker who scored in the new. Oh, we didn't. Oh, wait, he didn't say they won at the new camp, did he? No. Okay. Can anyone think of any Celtic strikers from that time? Can you say the countries again? So yeah, Netherlands, either. Scotland, England, uh, Spain, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and the Saudi US. Arabia. Jesus Christ! This guy must be. This guy must still be playing. Oh, I think I know. No, I, I think I know who this no, is. There's one it... more clue, guys. Wait, so once I have... Okay, let me just clarify the rules, because I think I have a name in my head. Once I have the name, can I look up the name? No. Okay, right. <laughs> no, no, because no, I haven't done that. I Wait, hang on. If you know the name, that's all you need. No, 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 but, no I don't, because 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 it's it's a Celtic striker, but it could be completely wrong. Yeah, feel free to guess. You go for the guess. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. Okay, um, you could take a wait, two wait. nil lead. Mm. Can I just say I'm pretty sure the listeners will be screaming the name. Do you reckon? Yeah. Ooh. See, I had a name, but and one of the other clues absolutely wiped it out as well. Did it? Yeah. I, I was gonna go for um, the Ghana striker, um, Asamoa Gion. Asamoa Asim- oh, Gion. But. I don't think it's him because obviously he's not played in that many countries. Like I was going to go for someone like um, because it was an African country, but now I realise it's wrong. It was like I don't think um, it's African because otherwise. Yeah, no. So so now I know that I think that's wrong. So I, I'm going to retract that guess. So I'm going to pass. I pass. Okay. Um, right. So Lawrence. Okay. The final clue, right? Is it's a big one. During his first stint in the Premier League, he was nicknamed the Tragedy. Yeah, this confirms. I think he's Greek. Um, Greek um, striker played for Celtic. Wait. 
Oh. Oh wait wait wait, 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 I have a guess, I have a guess, I have a guess. Who wants to go first? Who wants first name? That's the Who wants to go first? I'll give, I'll give Calvin the... Alright, Calvin, you guess first. I don't know his first name. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. And I don't know how to pronounce his surname. Right, I have something, I have something written down. Yeah. Oh no, I need to know it because I'm... Alright, on the count of three, do you want to both say the name? I'll type it in, I'll type it in. No, 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 say it, say it, say it. This is a podcast. Three, three... Two, one, Samaras. Yeah, yes. Samaras. <laughs> it was, it was a class clue. That, that was, no, hang on, that was, that was like quite an easy one. I, we've actually performed quite poorly there. I yeah, think. I, I, I was completely off this bit, uh, like had no clue into the last clue. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that was, that was, that was quite poor from her. Yeah, he, he played for um, Tony Pulis when he was uh, playing for West Brom. He played. Uh, under Sven Goran Eriksson at Manchester City, and he played under Claudio Ranieri when he was playing for Greece. There you go. Oh my gosh. That and that was. I think that was quite poor, actually. Yeah, I thought you guys would get that. It's a pretty. You know, he's a bit of. Uh, a, a bit of an I had no clue. I had no clue at all in any of that until the last clue. Really, like, I was Arjun, nowhere near. Arjun, how did you get Greek but not the name? I had his, I had his face like in my mind, but I couldn't think of the name. Right. Okay. But that's to be fair. Jesus be fair, Christ. Jesus nine, Christ. Nine goals in eighty-one games. No way. Greece. That's pretty. That's pretty good for Greece. No way. What? Norwich, Norwich have two red cards. Oh wow. Okay. Against Burnley. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Down to nine men. <laughs> <laughs> and then Burnley won it up. Oh right, okay, that's going to be a dead game now. Or maybe you, because Burnley aren't exactly going to light you up, even when you're nine, oh, even when you've got nine men. Aren't when they? Diaz got sent off, and then Dermich got sent off. Right, okay. All right, um, Lawrence, thank you. That was actually that was actually quite a good one because it was we should have got it, but we just didn't. Um, but we got it in the end. Um, thank you. No, that was that was quite well done. Um, who do we give the point to though? I think we should give it to Calvin because I got it last time. And right, one one. It's also the what, chance what? of me getting another one. I'm very so nice. our resident <laughs> encyclopedia. Arjun. Yeah, Arjun has yet to register. Yeah, um, give me time. I'll be time. It's got a donut. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, okay, let's. It's, uh, all, it's all well and good doing it in the chat, but yeah. when it comes to the pod in the big games, I, I'm I'm faltering. Arjun, where's your clutch gene? Where's your clutch gene? Poor. Um, right. Okay, let's move on to the final section, which um is my turn this time to talk about a game that I think is important or a favourite game. So um, this isn't particularly like my favorite game ever, um, but I think it's a really nice game that just illustrates um, a lot of what I want to talk about. It's an important game in that in that respect. So the game is Liverpool 2-0 against Fulham at Anfield on Remembrance Day 2018. So near the start of the 2018-19 season in the first half of it. And although it might be quite a rogue choice, it illustrates like quite a lot of what um, I kind of want to say um, about Liverpool. So um, what kind of characterises Liverpool's quality performance over the last two and a half years are good play from the fullbacks, buying Van Dijk and then Alisson to shore up the back and then the performances of the front three. Now, this game kind of has it all. So this was basically to contextualise it. It's the beginning or near the start of the 2018-19 season. Liverpool lost in shocking circumstances, leading to, I won't lie, my tears in Kiev due to Karius, leading to the purchase of Alisson from Roma for what was then a record fee which is later eclipsed by the beast that is Kepa at Chelsea. Um, following 
following from the purchase of Allison, Liverpool obviously last year and this is last season registered quality defensive performances from Allison. Lots of clean, lots of clean sheets and lots of um, lots of um, solid performances from the back four. So this game had that preferred back five that is basically Liverpool's best back five and which this season saw them you know win the league. And the back five is obviously Allison, Trent, Gomez, Van Dijk, and Robertson. That back five played in this game. And I think what's important is that this is the first game ever that Trent and Robbo assisted a goal in the same game. Before this, they'd only had 11 Premier League assists between them. After this, since then, basically, they've had 41. So it's it's like pretty mental, considering that this was basically a season and a half ago. And between them, they've had 41 assists from the fullback position in the Premier League. Um how how long before that Fulham game were they playing together in the same team? So before the Fulham game, they played together for about one one season and a bit. Right, so that is a massive change. So yeah. that is a massive change. That's a that's a that's a big change. Um, Robertson came in the both of them actually came into the team at the start of the twenty um, at the twenty seventeen eighteen season when we reached a Champions League final and finished fourth in the league. Both of them came in at the start of that season. Um, and and they they went and then this was basically the start of the, the, or the nearly the middle of the season after, and basically the game was pretty standard Premier League game. Mitrovic scored a header, but it was ruled out for offside. It was quite a tight call. Um, and then Allison beautiful delivery out to Trent on the wing, who passed it down the line to Salah straight after that goal was disallowed from the free kick for offside. Straight down in 12 seconds, Salah scores. Then later on. Robertson, beautiful looping ball into the box on the left. Shakiri on the end of it, volleys in. And what it really illustrates is the way that Liverpool have played, the way that the way that they've played has changed. So, firstly, the highlights from after the game were about Fulham complaining about the refereeing, was about the disallowed goal from Mitrovic. Now, the reason why that is important initially is because this 2-0 win for Liverpool was pretty routine. It gave them 30 points from 36 games, which is their best ever start to a Premier League season before this season. And it demonstrated that these kind of wins for Liverpool at home against teams they should beat were routine. Now, what Liverpool have struggled to do for many years, for basically my whole lifetime before this, is beat teams that sit back at home. The fact that they did it so routinely, and the fact that that wasn't even remarked upon or even the story of the game is statement enough. And I think that what's important is also the way they played. Obviously, you see the two fullbacks assisting goals. This is the first game, as I said, where they both assisted. And it illustrates that the main avenue for creativity for Liverpool is on the wings and the front three. The front three played really well. Salah obviously scored. Mane had lots of chances. Added Firmino. They both hit lots of shots on target with some good saves. Um, and yeah, that Liverpool could have scored more. But the point was that it was a controlled win. What characterised the Brendan Rodgers Liverpool team and the Liverpool team in 2017-18, which reached the Champions League final, was sometimes reckless abandon. They'd throw men forward, they'd scored lots of goals, they'd be brilliant to watch, exciting to watch, but when the time came, could they finish it? Could they win the silverware? No, because they couldn't, before they bought Van Dijk and then Alisson, they couldn't defend. Liverpool were 3-0 up against Sevilla, I remember, in that year, and 3-3 after half-time. Similarly, we don't need to talk about how the end of the 2013-14 season ends, Arjun taunted me about that for years until we managed to win the league. So the point is that Liverpool played in a more reserved way. They were more patient. They were able to break teams down. And this is the first game I remember actually thinking at the time that this season might be different 
Now, again, Liverpool didn't win the league this season. They got, I think, 97 points, which is a record for anyone other than the City team that beat them. But it was the first time that I thought, you know what, this team is different. Liverpool can actually go quite far in the title race here. And we ended up finishing one point behind. And that's that's kind of the main reason why I've chosen this game. It demonstrates the way that Liverpool have played, the way that how they played has changed. It demonstrates all the ingredients that characterise this current title winning team and the team that won the European Cup, i.e. quality goalkeeping, clean sheet from a solid and stable back four, an industrious midfield led by Fabinho and the front three doing whatever they do with the fullbacks on the wings providing brilliant assists. And all of that is in this game. And the fact that it's so innocuous and the fact that people forget it so much illustrates how much Liverpool have progressed and how they won the league this season. By beating teams at home in a no-nonsense fashion, maybe not as exciting as to watch as they were before, but certainly much more effective. And although it's not as fancy as Lawrence's Champions League final, which is you know the game that perhaps made him fall in love with football, it's a game that's really important to me because it showed me that we had the chance of doing what we hadn't done for 30 years and which we have now finally done, which is win the league. Um, and it's in a similar vein to our similar vein to Arjun's choice in that regard. So yeah, that's that's the game that I've chosen. Um, that that's really interesting. I, I just wanted to pick up on something that you said, like at, at the very end there. You said that Liverpool are perhaps less entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um, obviously they've become the sort of machine over the past two seasons. Yeah. So, but is there a sort of sense that you kind of miss the days where you beat Borussia Dortmund 4-3, like a ridiculous comeback, and you had those mad games against Roma uh, a couple of seasons ago when there were just yeah. goals galore? It, like, I mean, the match against Atletico this season, Liverpool, you, you, you might say that Liverpool of two years ago would have had sort of that, a uh, ridiculous uh, fight that would have allowed them to come back against Atletico. I, I don't know. Is there is there some part of you that misses those old times? Um, I think to some extent, yeah. In the sense that obviously, um, like during the game, um, you love to see your team running forward. You love to see exciting football. But then that was always characterised by defensive frailty, and that always meant that when you when it came to it at the end. You were 10 points off, you were 12 points off, you were 15 points off, and you maybe scraped for, scraped, you know, into a last round of a cup because when the time came to it, you conceded a goal, you gave away two points, you gave away three points, you drew a game you should have won, you lost a game you should have drawn because you conceded a goal at inopportune time, regardless of how many goals you can score. Now, Alan Shearer has spoken about this. He's spoken about, you know, the Newcastle teams, I think 1997. There was a really good attacking team. They scored heaps of goals. But what he said is what you need along with the goals, obviously, is a defence that can keep people out. Because some games, you won't be able to score three goals. You won't be able to win it 4-3. You won't be able to win it 6-2. You won't be able to win it 3-1. You'll have to win it 1-0, 2-1, You'll have to win it in a kind of Italian or Mourinho style. And in some games, because the goals can't be scored every single game, it's just physically impossible, you need that defence. And Liverpool always came up short when the time came to it because we couldn't defend. We had Lovren, we had, you know, Sacco in previous years. We just... We had Kiriakos and Skirtle, like this is throwing you back now. But we had never had that elite defence until we bought Van Dijk and we established this new breed of fullback, which managed to keep people out with an industrious midfield in the middle. And I think, although I do miss those games, to answer your question, while watching them, I would much rather play in a slightly more reserved fashion and then win, rather than, you know, play with reckless abandon and, and, and come short. Because 
it's not as if Liverpool are boring to watch. They're still one of the more entertaining or entertaining teams to watch in the league. It's just all relative, really. Perhaps less entertaining, less entertaining than we were three years ago, but still more entertaining than the average team in the league. And we're still able to beat teams. You know, we beat City 3-1 at Anfield. That was a quality display. Beating Leicester 4-0. You know, that was a beautiful attacking display. And we still played solidly at the back. So, yeah, it swings and roundabouts, really. Calvin, what are your thoughts on my game? Yeah, it's an interesting choice. Um, I think there were a lot of games you could have chosen instead of that one you chose. Um, but, you know, each to their own. Uh, it's interesting why you chose it. So, yeah. Hmm. What do you think about the way that Liverpool have kind of developed their playing style in the sense that um, Spurs had that one season with a brilliant defence and a brilliant team, but they came up short. Do you think the Spurs could perhaps um, develop that kind of machine-like intensity and move forward because they seem to come up short and they're maybe further away now than they were but do you think that's what held Spurs back in their like years from five years ago I don't think it's the style it was more that you know we're always you know we sold Moussa Dembele he was getting old uh and yeah um we never really replaced him we still haven't really um it always goes back to Moussa Dembele really um (laughs) but no yeah I think what I saw from the Newcastle game was a good step towards that you know players wanting to play for the badge effectively, you know, celebrating, you know, before the celebration was more like, you know, you're playing with your mates. Now, you know, we're trying to win a game. So we'll see how it goes uh, with transfers and also how the actual uh, playing style develops under Mourinho. I think it was quite interesting that you chose Fulham, Ashwin, uh, because if you, if you look at their, I mean, you could have picked lot of games for that season but Fulham specifically their transfer policy w- was kind of uh, coming up from the Premier League chucking a hundred and something million on players like Anguissa and Seri and them not really performing whereas Liverpool you know they, they've made really targeted transfers and, and as you as you mentioned before they they uh, they tried to strengthen the squad in the positions where they, they saw weaknesses yeah uh, instead of spending frivolous money no, yeah, we, yeah. We, de- we develop players, £30 million players, and turn them into £100 million. I mean, um, Arjun, what are your thoughts on, on the game I chose? Yeah, um, that was a good choice because we, when you picked it, I had no clue what the game was. I couldn't recollect it at all. That's the kind of point. Yeah, no, it's interesting, interesting. And I'm sure that season there were plenty of games where Liverpool sort of went about their business winning games by yeah. narrow margin compared to, say, 2017-18, where everyone remembers Klopp's Liverpool to be really gung-ho, winning games at free will, scoring, you know, goals for fun. And last season, and maybe this season, they're, they're a bit more business-like and a bit more mature with their approach. And I think that comes from having a settled defence and players like Alisson, Van Dijk and Gomez, rather than Saka and Lovren, marshalling the defence. So I think, yeah, Liverpool have made some really good defensive investments that, that will stay at the club for three, four years minimum to come. And that's the key to having a title-winning team is is, is a good defence rather than a team that occasionally ships three or four at the back. So, yeah, it's a good choice. Uh, thanks. I mean, um, I, I really like Lawrence's point about the, the contrasting transfer strategies of um, Fulham and Liverpool because I guess, although I'm asking for signings now, I don't want us to spend rashly either. Yeah. There's, a, there's a kind of balance. And although I'm asking for signings, I think someone like Thiago is a really good signing for that reason. He balances value with what he can add I don't, I don't want us to I don't want us to throw money just to try and fix a problem because that's something I feel like that like United tried to do 
under Moyes and Van Gaal, etc. And it just never really went well. Calvin, you want to say something? Uh, yeah, yeah. You mentioned, you know, I think Tottenham tried to do the same as Liverpool, but the difference is we didn't get who our person we were trying to get, whereas you did. Yeah. Uh, we, we again got a B-Tech version um, of the player we wanted to get. And that basically meant, you know, didn't quite work out. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Because, um, yeah, I mean, we we wanted Allison and we got him. We wanted Van Dijk. And, and despite the warning from um, Southampton in the August transfer window, we got him in January. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't, although I, I'm upset about perhaps not us not signing anyone since then, really, I can't blame Michael Edwards too much because those two signings, you know, changed Liverpool dramatically. Um, yeah, Lawrence, what are your final thoughts before we finish up? Just, you know, could you say that this game illustrates for you, like, the transition between heavy metal football to, you know, smooth jazz? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really nice. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say I'd probably say exactly that. As I said, I remember sitting in, like, in my halls in uni um, watching the Sevilla 3-3 game. It was, I think it was the group stages of Champions League. And we were 3-0 up at halftime, scintillating, to be frank. And then um you know just three three through calamitous defending in the second half and I just don't we just don't like to see that and they'll see if that's the consequence of heavy metal football then I'm not sure you actually win anything by playing it so I think yeah this game the fact it shows it was so routine demonstrates um everything about how Liverpool have played the last two years and the way they dispatch teams so effectively but yeah I mean I think I think that's that's why it's a important game to me but yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of You Can't Podcast with Kids on the Symposium. I've spoken a lot this episode, and I'm apolog- apologies for that, but uh, I'll try to um, you know, keep off it next time and allow the other boys to come in more. It's Calvin's choice next time for his favourite game, so I can't wait to see um, whatever FA Cup semi-final or whatever else glory he, he, can, bring out, in, he can bring yeah, out. Yeah, before he chooses Spurs to Ajax 2. Or yeah, something. yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, mean, I, can't, I can't wait for that. So we'll see. Or maybe, maybe he'll go rogue and just choose a game that's There's a lot of Spurs. choices. There's it a lot would of probably choices. be Spurs Inter if I'm gonna. Yeah, we'll it see. Could like be that. It could be the that. Gareth Bale could... game. Yeah. Spurs seven, hole one. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see. And uh, yeah, I mean, am I looking forward to that game? Maybe not, but we'll we'll see. And I'll I'll be here anyway for it. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see. Um, as as I say, we're on Spotify. Follow us on Insta. Follow us on Spotify. And we hope you keep enjoying the content. Our music and film series have been updated recently as well. So yeah, keep tuning in, and we'll keep churning it out. Thanks. Symposium with Ash Orlack.